You're now listening to Sound Talent Media. Check out more shows at SoundTalentMedia.com. Hey, what's up, everyone? I'm Matt Migaki, the vocalist of Cryptopsy and the host of the Vox and Hops Metal Podcast, where I sit down with fellow metal musicians. We talk all about their lives and music while sharing killer craft beers. If you've ever wanted to sneak backstage and share a beer with one of your favorite musicians, well, Vox and Hops is the podcast for you. This week on the podcast, I dropped an amazing episode with Dom Grimal of The Last Felony, Ion Dissonance, and Cryptopsy. There is this episode and over 450 other ones to help you enjoy life, metal, and craft beer. So what are you waiting for? It's time to become a Vox and Hops head. Cheers! Episode number 22 of that one time on tour is brought to you by the band Awful Normals. Awful Normals is a three-piece punk band from Orange County, California. They just released a new EP entitled Songs of Love and Blame. It was mixed by legendary producer Ryan Green and mastered by Jason Livermore of The Blasting Room. For more information, check out facebook.com forward slash awful.normals.com or on Instagram at awful underscore normals. Now here it is, their new single, Colorblind Motel.
This is Stefan from Descendants, and you're listening to That One Time On Tour with Chris Swinney. Run for the road, cause it's going on and on. We'll be driving through the darkest night until the break of dawn. We'll be heading for the cities, another show for us to play. To get back in the bank tomorrow, we'll do it. We'll do it all again Hello and welcome to another episode of that one time on tour. As always, I'm your host, Chris Swinney. Thank you guys so much for checking out last week's episode with Johnny P. Bucks Bonnell from the Swinging Utters. It was a great episode, had a huge, huge response, and hopefully you guys went out and got their new record, Peace and Love, out on Fat Records. So go get that. This week, we have another amazing episode. I actually got to sit down in person with Mr. Stefan Edgerton from The Descendants. The Descendants are one of my favorite bands of all time, so it was it was a big thrill to get to sit down with Stefan. Uh, they invited me down to their show, and uh, they could not have been more gracious or hospitable, so big shout-outs to The Descendants, especially Stefan. Before you guys get to hear my conversation with Stefan, I do want to tell you about some amazing sponsors that help keep the lights on here at that one time on tour. I want to tell you about Your Button Guy. Your Button Guy is your one-stop shop for everything button and magnet related. He's got everything that you need. So uh, go on Instagram and hit him up at your button guy, or you can email him directly your button guy at gmail.com. He sent some buttons to the show and uh, I'm trying to get rid of them. So if you want a button, all you have to do is review us in the iTunes store or wherever else you listen to podcasts, screenshot it, tag us in the post on Instagram, and I'll hit you up for your address and I'll send you a free button. So there you go. Thanks a lot. Your button guy. I also want to give a big shout out to sticker wolf. Uh, they are working working on a logo for us as well as some stickers. You can check them out at stickerwolf.com or at stickerwolf on Instagram. I can't get out of here without telling you guys about rockabilia.com. They've been on board as a sponsor for a while now, but uh, rockabilia.com has everything you've ever wanted from any band you've ever listened to. They have over 500,000 unique items officially licensed by the band. Make sure at checkout when you're getting all your cool stuff, you put in the promo code PCTOTOT to get 15% off your entire order. Uh, I also have to tell you about Muncie Music Center once again, the store that I work at. I teach guitar, bass, ukulele, everything with strings. They have everything you've ever wanted. Guitars, drums, saxophones, trombones, whatever you want. They've got a recording studio. They are a wonderful store right here in Muncie, Indiana. If you're not here in Muncie, you can check them out on MuncieMusic.com. Or if you are here in town, you can go to 600 South Mulberry Street and check out Muncie Music Center. Okay, guys, make sure that you are following us on all of the social media platforms at TOTOT Podcast. Leave us some love, some hate. Tell us a story on the TOTOT hotline. That is 1-765-372-8818. We also also have a new merch store so if you're following us on instagram or facebook you can get some cool gear now with our cool logo that we ripped off a of black flag don't tell greg <laughs> so uh without further ado i'm going to jump into my conversation with mr stefan edgerton from the descendants hope you guys enjoy it here we go So yeah, I'm sitting here uh, on a very luxurious couch with Stefan from The Descendants. So how are you doing, man? Thanks for being on the show. I'm doing fantastic. Thanks for having me. <laughs> I was really excited to uh, get to come see you guys and thank you so much for the hospitality. And I haven't done a lot of these in person. So like I said earlier, you're kind of popping my cherry. Yeah, for the, uh, yeah that's yeah. cool. Got to try it somehow. And it's a little bit 
I'm a little anxious because I know you record. So, uh, you know. Well, I mean, this, you know, um, I record very informally. Okay. <laughs> too. At one point, uh, I was in this band called The Widow Jenkins. And it was during the Atari's run. And we had contacted you about doing some demos, and you said yes, but we never got the funds together. You probably don't remember that at all. I don't remember that, but, I can, <laughs> but I, that, that's a story I've, I've had a few, quite a few times. Well, I sent you like a demo, and you're like, yeah, this is really cool, man. Just let me know. And then we never got the money together. Yeah, so. yeah that's... No, I mean it's hard. It's hard to make yeah. all of that come together. It's it, it, it. Well, I was playing in the Ataris, and like that was all taken care of. But this was like a side kind of deal, and it's like, oh yeah, well we're paying for it on our own, and nobody had any money. Nobody has any money? Yeah, we're all normal people. Yeah. So uh, why don't you tell me how this run is going? We're going to kind of jump around a lot on this. Uh, I want to know about history and whatnot. I mean, I'm sure everybody that's listening and me personally, I've seen filmage. I know I know the whole story. But uh, tell me about this run of shows and how does it feel to still be kicking ass in The Descendants, man? Well, the, the run of shows has been has been fantastic. Really, you know, we, we have a we have the luxury of a really really nice touring schedule that allows us to to sort of come out have a blast have a very you know we'll call it a party environment minus the you know heavy partying (laughs) something we're all into but but the uh the shows are an event for us they're a big deal it's a chance for us to get together and hang out because we're still all very close friends and you know and play and, and um Yet we're not just burned ourselves out to death, you know, um, doing laps around the country like we've yeah. so many decades. Before. Are you guys doing a lot of like fly-in type things? Yeah, what we've been doing this year mostly is is flying in and then doing a four-show, three, you know, three or four-show run, like usually just on the bus, and we don't get hotels or anything. We just sleep on the bus, okay, just kind of stay there, and then we get to you know whatever the fourth show is. I'll fly home tomorrow from from here. From cool awesome yeah so it's it's awesome so uh you guys were in chicago last night could you tell me a little bit about that i've got a lot of friends up there and i've seen the posts and it looked amazing so well, chicago the chicago show this time around was was uh was interesting we did another similar show earlier this year i believe that it was part of a a festival put on by a brewery and so there were a lot of uh a lot of brewers there. There was a lot of beer. Three fifty fest. Three fifty like fest, and and um, and it was unusual in that it was in what was essentially a a um, convention center with a hotel attached to it. So it was an unusual venue by today's standards because most most cities have a you know a regular punk rock club yeah. if they're a decent sized city that would have us anyway, but. Uh, through our many years of touring, you know, we, of course, those venues didn't exist back then. So playing, you know, unusual places is not foreign to us. So, so it was like, oh, today we're in a convention center and they're drinking beer on a carpeted floor. This is really weird. (laughs) But, but, uh, the show itself, you know, once the lights went out, it was a show and it worked and it worked great. It was, you know, really good. Actually had a, actually sounded really good in there, which I know that probably doesn't matter. I mean, the carpet might have been part of that, Well, it was an acoustically treated room to an extent, you know, because it's such a massive room, they have to kind of kill off some of the echo in there. And so it actually sounded better than than a lot of places do. That was kind of weird. That's really cool. But it was cool. The show was really fun. Um, uh, Less Than Jake was up, who we've toured with, you know, a bazillion times and (laughs) super good friends. And, um, they like to have fun. I hung out with them on Warp Tour a couple of times. Yeah, absolutely. They're all really fun guys. So that was cool. It was all, you know, 
between Wilhelm, Smoking Popes, every you know, all the bands we were playing are all friends. I mean, the three band bill for tonight, as well as you know, I guess a lot of these shows you guys have been playing with Smoking Popes and Wilhelm Scream. That's a killer bill, man. Yes, we. Yeah, that is a killer bill. When I saw it, because I didn't know, I knew you guys were touring, and then I saw who was open. I'm like, oh my god, like that's. We've been playing a lot with Will with Wilhelm. Wilhelm. Wilhelm Scream, you know, has been recording stuff at the Blasting Room off and on yeah. since the, you know, they started their band. When they were on Nitro even before that, I think, like, a long yeah. time ago. I think, I think Bill recorded their first EP, you know, a long time ago. Well, I even 15, remember... 15, 17 years I remember ago, when they were called, I think they were called Much the Same or something like that. There's a band from Chicago called Much the Same, but I think they had that name as well, and that's why they changed it. I could totally be getting oh, it wrong. Oh. But I've been listening to those guys since before they were even signed. Like, I heard, oh, I heard them on Napster. Oh, <laughs> that's oh, how long wow. ago that was. Well, they're, um, you know, they're a fantastic band. And the Smoking Popes, I was kind of somewhat of a latecomer um, to them. I, I guess not not now. Now I've known about them for a long time. But but uh, I hadn't really heard them when they were kind of active and we never happened to play together. But uh, as soon as I heard them, I really liked them. I have a I have a great love for for their their melodic twists yeah. in their songs. That's right up my alley. So. So yeah, that's a killer bill. It's really fun. I was really excited. Yeah, <laughs> and I haven't. I'm, I'm a dad. I haven't really been out of the house for Mini Swinney. Yeah, yeah, <laughs> Mini Swinney. Yeah. <laughs> See, Silas Stefan's giving you a shout out. He actually likes the Descendants. So I was playing. Uh, I was going to tell you this camp that I'm doing. I do a music workshop. Uh, Jason, my producer here, is actually my partner in the camp, and some of the kids are doing Hope. Oh, right. And I've got a video of it. Uh, I posted and I tagged you. I don't know if you saw it, but uh, I was letting Silas see oh, that. I did see that. I want to see that. That's but uh, yeah, he's uh, he's two and a half, but he's 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 digging the descendants. Well, you know, I don't want to grow up. That's a pretty good one to sink your teeth into when yeah. you're that age, right? Yeah, and uh, <laughs> you know, I just got him I his first saw. misfit shirt. So next is is a little you know Milo shirt. There we go. <laughs> Everything will be good. I always want you know someday we need to make one that instead of saying descendants, it just says descendant. There you go. You know, without the S on the end. Definitely, man. You know, we never did that. We should do that. <laughs> so I know you're a father as well. Yes. Uh, how did that change? I mean, I know it, it changed a lot of your life because I'm a dad. And I know how it is. But as far as being a touring musician, it's got to it's gotta be nice to kind of do these, not weekend warrior things, but shorter runs. Yeah. Well, the you know, the my wife and I starting our family dovetailed with sort of all not not really so much you know all never broke up formally but all was not a band that drew you know enough people to really sustain much of a living for four people and a couple of crew guys so so we sort of had ceased to tour you know out of just kind of lack of yeah. ability to really do so um that happened around the time that I started my family uh and, and so there was about a five year period where I didn't do any shows at all. Nothing. Okay. I just was full on dad guy. You know, I, we, we, my wife and I pulled up stakes. We moved to Tulsa, um, where her parents live so that we, um, we could have, you know, grandparents, we could have, yeah. a, you know, larger family for the kids. And, um, and that, you know, worked out really well. That first five years, I was just fully, you know, kind of neck deep in parenting and then um, during the real critical time there. And then and then a little once, you know, here and there shows started to, you know, kind of pepper their way in very slightly. And by the time we started doing, you know, the regular thing like we're doing now uh, with some consistency again, um, my kids were old enough to, you know, they were well launched, <laughs> let's put it that way. And, and now they're, you know, 14 and 17. So they're, you know, they're 
quite functional. They can hang for a few days without me. And, and uh, what do they think of uh, their dad being in such a you know seminal punk rock band? It's got to be pretty cool. <laughs> well, they they definitely like it. But I mean, I'm dad. You know, yeah, they yeah. they're not. They don't know, know any different, right? Yeah. So they you know my son my son likes to come. He, he doesn't like to come to shows as much as my daughter does. My daughter is a music fiend, and so is my son, but he, but the the big volume and craziness yeah. of a show is much less appealing to him. So he comes to fewer. My daughter would go to as many of them as she possibly could. Um, she switched camps. Her, her favorite band overall is Rise Against. She wow. loves Rise Against. That's she could great. recite every lyric they ever wrote to anything. That's She's crazy, man. completely into them. Zach's going to be on the show in the next couple of weeks. Oh, yeah, awesome. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, that's like, I that. know it's you guys like are my tied. brother from a different yeah. mother. Yeah. Him and Donnie both. I told know, him they're, you were going to be on the boys. show. And he's like, Oh, that's great. Yeah. So, yeah. They're, those guys are the sweetest. They're the best. Um, and, uh, yeah. So, you know, they're, they're, you know, they're into it that I do this. They think I'm sure they get some amusement out yeah. of it. And probably and some once, perks once in a while. As once well. in a while it works out like that. Like my, uh, my daughter's, um, my daughter's uh, philosophy slash well, he's teaching her philosophy this year, and uh, what did he teach her last physics last year, um, in high school. He's a fan, <laughs> you know. He's like, awesome. wait, your dad's in the Descendants? What? You know, like so that kind of stuff happens once in a while. Well, I remember, like fun. off of that story, I remember on filmage when when Bill had his surgery and like his surgeon was a Descendants <laughs> yeah, fan. Yeah, was a Descendants that's really fan. Cool. Yeah, yeah, that was a hilarious. That was so weird for him when that happened. I, I remember. Uh, right after you know the surgery and when bill and i were talking afterwards and he was telling me that story i was yeah. just like god i can't believe this what were the chances of you kind of don't i mean sometimes i mean i've never been in a band you know as legendary as you guys are but uh you kind of don't ever know the reach right? i guess sometimes it kind of just goes over your head i mean i know just in the smaller bands that i was in sometimes i'll meet somebody and i'll tell them oh yeah i used to play in this band and then they freak out and I just don't, I don't think it's a big deal. So, I mean, it's got to kind of even be double for you. Well, it's, you know, the where I always, uh, I, I sit in an interesting position in this band because I was a huge fan before yeah. I was in the band. And so I have, I have a, you know, the, the sort of duality of, of, um, you know, being, being like an ultra fan guy. And, th and that hasn't entirely left me, yeah. <laughs> you know, like this is still the, the band that made Milo goes to college. That record, like that record's blew amazing. My mind yeah. as did the fatty P before it. So, so, um, you know, that part of it is a, is a pretty big deal for me. And, and I promoted shows in Salt Lake where I grew up and, and, you know, bands were typically coming through staying at our house bands that are now legendary, yeah, right. Yeah. You know, dead Kennedys. I put on them or I put on black flag. That's or awesome. And, and so, you know, you meet those bands and the, the, you know, I met them when I was young and they were all really small bands. You know, these are guys that are just traveling around in, in vans, just yeah. trying to like pave, pave the roads of, of the punk rock scene that grew from it. And, and they were all very personable and all, you know, very just kind of normal people. Cause there, there was really what are you going to do? Be all competitive or weird? I mean, you're, you make like five bucks. Nobody a day. was lucky. making money. Yeah, back you're then, losing so yeah. money. And you know, so there wasn't, you know, you didn't do it for those reasons because yeah. those reasons did simply didn't exist. So I like to try to remember that piece of it, you know, and yes, you know, it grew to where I could make a living out of it. Yeah. <laughs> wow. That's Which is crazy, right? Mind blowing that, yeah. you know, that you can actually do that. And so, you know, the, the fact 
you know, one thing I made note of in the last few days since we were talking earlier about like this little run of shows, every one of these last three shows that we've done, um, I don't know what it'll look like tonight, but the three shows before it, there have been a substantial amount of really young kids. Okay. Really young. And, and, and so, you know, it, it's funny to be part of something that, that happened to accidentally become like a multi-generational yeah. interest where, you know, when they were making the music before I was in it and, and when we were making music after I was in it, that, that expectation was not there. Yeah. That's not why you do it or how you, you don't even think that can really be part of it because this is just, you know, this little thing that you do yeah. for your own amusement. You just try to squeak by and, you know, not, not just, you know, go broke and die, you know, or whatever you, you try to just limp the thing along and, and help it survive so that you can keep going. Cause it's so much fun. That's sort of how it works. But you know, now, you know, it's not uncommon to have a, you know, a three generational, night you know where you'll yeah. see dudes up in my age range up in their you know mid 50s and and then you know people you know people bringing their kids and stuff and um and the kids knowing the songs kids you know wearing your t-shirts and stuff like you well, know, i, I like, know if i have anything I'm to 13. do with it <laughs> you know, like, my, wow. my my kid's gonna he's already a punk rocker man like <laughs> like i put i put on uh i put on one of your videos the other day and because I have Comcast and you can like just say the band's name and then it'll bring up oh, cool. whatever. And uh, I can't remember what song it was, but he was just running around. He grabbed his ukulele and he was like, <laughs> and I just got That's him a awesome. drum kit the other day. So he's he's going to be a punk. There rock. you go. Yeah. he's, he's If I have it my it. way, my wife would probably like him to probably be a little bit less punk rock, but he's going to be. a punk Yeah, rock. there's yeah, there's some of that's going to be in there or at least. I th- yeah, I think my I think my kids' musical tastes have have diverted somewhat yeah. from punk rock recently, which is expected. I mean, Definitely. you can't just like your dad's music. Yeah. I mean, you can't do that. You know, you have to sort of like find your own path. And so, I'm trying to just go. Uh, I don't get your path, but whatever, go ahead. You know, listen to what you want, guys. It's cool. Uh, yeah. So you you joined in '86. '86. Um, can you kind of? I mean, I know it's out there. It's in a million interviews, but can you kind of give me? Like the feeling when you joined a band that you really liked, like you already kind of talked about a little bit. And what, how did it, you lead up to being in the band? Well, you said you'd book shows for them in Black Flag and whatnot. I know Bill yeah, spent some time in Black Flag. Yeah, and I mean we knew um, we knew Bill from from Black Flag, uh, um, and Carl and I, our bass player, yeah. Car- Carl and I actually met in junior high. We've been wow. friends since I was eleven; he was twelve when we met. So, so we've known each other since seventh grade. We've been, you know, and, and uh, hanging out all this time. And um, we had a band at Salt Lake called the Massacre Guys. The Massacre Guys were together for about five years. Carl was in it for maybe three of those years, and um, and so we used to open for you know open for Black Flag, the bands that would come, through all the bands guys. that would come yeah. through, and that was uh, um, so that was how we sort of got to know those guys. But at the time that I joined the band, I had actually sort of abandoned rock music in favor of classical guitar. I was was like sort of, I, I somewhere I had heard this incredible record of, of uh, two fantastic classical guitarists, John Williams and Julian Bream doing, doing this live recording that just blew my mind. And I just thought, I want to learn how to do that. That is so cool. And I had sort of gotten rid of all my stuff you know my most of my electric guitars i got a classical guitar and i'd moved to washington dc and 
So Carl was playing in another band and was actually staying with somebody who Bill called, a mutual friend. Bill called um, when after Doug and Ray had left and he was looking for, for new guys. And Carl got put in touch with him. Well, when I called to congratulate Carl, um, he told me they needed a guitar player. So I flew out and we, we got in the room and played for three days. And just, you know, it was very... It was an instantaneous, easy thing to do. Probably, yeah. you know, probably a third of what became the Descendants All record, we played that that three-day chunk. Wow. You know, we we definitely, we tried everything we could, really weird, complicated stuff, like you hear on that record, the more yeah. kind of, you know, ambitious. <laughs> uh, well, that's one of my favorite of parts stuff. of the band. With, like, the guitar work, I mean, your guitar work, I really am inspired by because I, I'm a big theory head. I teach guitar for a living now. And, uh, I don't know how versed in theory you are. It seems None. like it seems like you are from what you do. Well, zero percent. But I, but I I grew up listening to a lot of fusion music, so okay. I was really really like a lot of the guitar players that inspired me before I discovered punk rock were, you know, Jeff Beck and wow. John McLaughlin and Al Demiola, and, um, uh, Larry Coryell. I yes, I really liked yes. I liked you know I liked that. I liked really ambitious guitar playing. Wow. Not so much. I, I missed out on metal. I didn't listen to really any metal, and I wasn't like a Van Halen guy, really, or yeah. anything like that. I, I never liked I the found party the metal. Jazzy <laughs> stuff. You know, my my mom had a band briefly that had a that uh, had a guitar player in it that became my teacher. He was he was the one that turned me on to all of that stuff, and so it was floating around in my head, but I don't really know anything about it per se. So it's just like, you know, inspired by sounds I hear and me just trying to sort of find some of those on the guitar without really knowing what I Because I mean, I mean, I know we're switching gears a little bit. I do want to go back to when you join, but just the, no one sounds like the Descendants. And I I know that's kind of a a broad term, but just the way that the music is put together. I know Bill writes a lot of it. I know you write stuff. Everybody in the band writes. But there's definitely... A lot of the times when people talk about no effects, there's like that no effects chord. I don't know if you've ever heard anybody say that, but it's kind of that flat five, like weird, like dissonant kind of chord that they use a lot. There's definitely a descendant sound. It's different all the time, but it's definitely like when I hear you play and I I didn't know it was you, I would know that it's you. Well, it's, uh, you know, that, that part of it is, uh, that is just something, you know, the, finding a, a musician with a with a very distinctive recognizable sound yeah it's funny because that that's you know half the time it's stuff that they can't control keith yeah. richards just sounds like just keith sounds richards. like keith richards yeah. you know there's nothing he can do about it and, and i think that's that's definitely true in in our uh, you know in carl and i's case bill was already you know had a very established unusual sound oh, yeah. all of the that that first wave of punk drummers all had you know the in particular the Southern California ones. Really, yeah. if you think about Robo and Bill and Chuck Biscuits and uh, Lucky Lair, all of those guys, they were, they they all had unusual takes on rock drumming. Yeah, and you know um, that was a that was you know I think one of the most exciting things for Carl and I to get to you know try to sort of fuse the weird little thing that we were doing in our in our living room in our apartment yeah. at Salt Lake, you know, with that because we were you know we were trying some of those unusual um you know time signatures and so on um 
not deliberately, just yeah. we would write a riff and we would learn it and we would play it and that's how it goes. And it's it's a phrase. It's not like, oh, this is in five four. We wouldn't have known what the hell that meant. We at tried all. to cover Coolidge in the Ataris and I don't think it ever actually sounded the way we wanted it to sound. We tried really hard, but Well, it's a it's a it's a thing where a certain group of people they just sound how they sound. You yeah. can't it's funny, I, I had the opportunity to hear Frank, Tony, and Bill play together a few times. Um, uh, cause by the time I got to see, by the time descendants were a touring entity and the, and, and the one time I saw them while I was living in DC, Ray and Doug were playing okay. with them. So later I got the chance to see them with Frank and Tony and it sounds like Milo goes to college. You put those three guys together yeah. and they start playing and it sounds like Milo goes to college. I mean, it just does. It's, you know, you can't take that away. And that that's, kind of neat you know yeah. how that works it's, that's awesome um, uh and you know the the kinds of techniques that that develop accidentally without without proper instruction <laughs> yeah. for for a lot of people they become their defining sounds and that's yeah. that's really definitely what happened uh with all of us um there are there there's there's interesting unique approach and terrible terrible technique in equal measure that contributes to to you know what you hear uh, in all of these things and so that's just how it comes together how how are you on like scales because your solos are very distinct a lot of chromatic runs like do you I, just kind of know where to start or do you actually kind of know what's going on with those i don't know what's going on with them generally i i know i mean i know if i'm playing an a or e yeah. i mean i know you know i know majors and minor chords i, I you know scales i mean I, I i know that part of it i have spent a lot of time i'll find scales on the internet you know go oh yeah phrygian okay i see you know it's one of my favorite scales <laughs> yeah mixolydian you know i yeah. I, I mean i'll i'll, I'll survey that stuff just for my own interest but that a lot, when i'm looking at that stuff it's usually to try to keep my fingers going yeah <laughs> it's just yeah. it's really finger exercise just trying to do you know so scales are meaningful to me in that way but solos they seem to come two ways for me either i write something that could be perceived almost like a vocal melody something okay. you could sing along with like clean sheets is an example of clean that. sheets Play is probably my favorite song man i love that song you know it goes it goes how it goes yeah. i do it the same way every time and the average joe can sing along with it yeah and that's that's something i like in a in a guitar solo i mean your I like solos one. are very melodic i think that's the, the whole idea of almost being able to sing to it they're catchy yeah I, I, they're also I hope some to crazy and then sometimes <laughs> they kind of get you know sometimes that that weird you know the the weird part of it that yeah. uh, you know influence kind of makes its way almost in there. sounds jazzy sometimes yeah i think it it you know it's it's not it's not a deliberate application of yes. of that it's more of a of that is music that inspired me as a young person so i so it's just kind of bouncing around in there along with all the beatles crap which is really like Pretty much what I'm about is the Beatles. That's cool. That's pretty much it. <laughs> the Beatles and Black Flag are my two. Beatles and Black Flag. That, yeah, those are two it. amazing bands. <laughs> those are my two favorite bands. That's pretty much, you know, that's that's uh, kind of where I put all my time. So <laughs> when you when you join, go back. I want to go back for a second. When you joined the band, everything was good. Like, hey, you guys are in the band. It had to feel kind of amazing that you and your best friend oh, yeah. joined a band that you loved. Oh yeah, your Cloud Nine. We're making like five bucks a day. We're stoked. We're just <laughs> happy. We were great. And and it really, um, 
that really hasn't changed. I mean, that part of it. Uh, the five bucks has changed. That has changed, <laughs> thankfully, because that was definitely not sustainable. But it, but it, uh, but it, you know, the the chance to do this thing with people who you're really, you know, know well to, to have the ability to know exactly what they're going to do pretty much, you know, to be able to have that level of chemistry, to develop that chemistry, to nurture it, to further it, that, that is great. And the opportunity to do that is, is still immense for me. Huge. How does it feel? You know, I know it's been a couple of years now since like you guys got a lot more active, but from like, you know, the everything sucks era being on Epitaph when it seemed like you guys were pretty poised to kind of go and then, you know, kind of going away for a while. And, you know, there was the all stuff. And you know, I know you later on you did the flag stuff, which I want to talk about here in a second. But how is it now that it seems like even with the time taken off and all the, you know, the hiatuses and, and the families and everything, you guys are better than ever and bigger than ever. I mean, the shows are great They're When I tell somebody like, oh, do you like the Descendants? Even non-punk rockers know who the descendants are. Yeah, well, it's 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 interesting that that I mean I'm still all the time amazed that there's still interest in these songs and and you know thankful for it for sure. Yeah. Um, but I, that's an amazing feeling and and to have people react so positively still this many years in and and what's funny is that unlike most bands, this last, I think it's been seven years or so, is far and away the the longest active period of Descendants, Yeah, which is really strange. Because, I mean, Milo always now, used to go back to college, right? Yeah, yeah, Milo <laughs> kept quitting to go to college, you know, yeah. which, uh, and, um, you know, I, I think once we started doing this again, um, was that was 2010, I think it was? Yeah. Uh, it's been... It's he had so much fun that he was like, yeah, I like this. We can do this on some limited way. I, you know, he was not he still in a got his his scientist stuff going on. So no, not anymore. No, not anymore. No, really? He got laid off. <laughs> he got laid off. So he was like, well, Trump's president. Okay, so <laughs> shows here we go. So science so, is, uh, isn't what it used to be, I guess anymore. Yeah, but but it it really, I think it worked out great for him. He had reached a place in his career that I don't think he was getting a lot of satisfaction out yeah. of it. Um, I think his career, you know, the arc of a scientist's career is to either make no money and do the science or to make a decent living and be the administrator, which is kind of where he'd been. And I don't think he was getting any joy out of that. I don't think he was having much fun with it. So, and he was having fun doing this. So it's like, well, well, when your fallback is to be in the descendants, that's (laughs) that's pretty awesome. (laughs) When plan B is, is, is to, yeah, be in (laughs) the the world and have a great time with your friends. Yeah. So, so he's been more than happy with all that. And so we're, you know, we've kind of got this, you know, nice amount of shows that we can do. We're in a position to do that. Not every band can do that. So we're, we're incredibly fortunate. I guess that's, you know, that's the really nice thing that comes of having done all those laps and laps and laps over the years, building it up into something, you know, that now people are still interested enough in hearing to, to want to, to fly us out to play places. That's great. It's amazing. So all, um, I love all. I was a huge champion for all. Got all the records. Um, I know it didn't seem like it was received as well. And I know that's been talked about as as well. You think that that was people that like the descendants were like, well, hey, this isn't the descendants. Like, what do you think the reasoning was behind that? Well, the, you know, the, 
the thing is, I, I've never really exactly figured it out with all. Because you, you know, guys what did Conan. You guys were all over the place. Like there seemed like there was a push on the band. There was. There there definitely was, and there and there was some interest. And in, and not that we didn't have a lot of great shows. There were periods where we could have really good shows. You know, five six hundred people would come. It wasn't it wasn't unusual. Even you know even a thousand sometimes. But but there was. Um, I don't. I don't really know. I. I would say that the. I would say that the. Uh, the. You know, all four of us write. That's always been true, and I think what we were writing then was. Nobody had. There was no cohesion. Yeah. And I think we entered a period musically where people wanted more cohesion. Uh, when I was a kid, a guy like Frank Zappa who could put out any anything <laughs> you know he could just go wherever and and none of it would surprise you and yeah. you just accepted that as what he was i mean i saw frank zappa play in the salt palace in our big arena with a you know bazillion people that you know there was a there was a i think some degree of respect for a band that was really really all over the map and kind yeah. of versatile and did a, a did a, a great variety well one thing that seemed to change to to the way I saw it in, in audiences was you know, less interest in that people were, people wanted a cohesive sound out of a band, you know, green day wrote, you know, kick-ass songs. They yeah. were, they were a good band. They do, you know, uh, um, but their thing is fair, you know, in the beginning was fairly cohesive. You yeah. got a green day record. Sounds like green day. Doesn't sound like what, what the hell just happened to green day. They just went off the deep end. See, I always that liked, never I always liked that about all because it almost seemed like you didn't know what you're going to hear on the next track. That's, and that, and that is completely how it was. But I think that I, I always thought that must be what turned audiences yeah. off because it, because one record to the next, it wasn't the lack of a great singer. Cause you guys it wasn't, had, no, we had three great of those. singers. Yeah, yes. We had three of those that, I mean, that was, you know, and maybe there was something to do with the changing of singers. That's, you know, and each one of those singers, when when they would move on and do their own things, you know, we get a new singer. That new singer that would come in would change the band yeah. because it's one fourth of the material. Generally mm -hmm. speaking, we we tend to run about one fourth, uh, you know, of each record being done by um, each of us. So it so it kind of, uh, you know, the the band was always changing, and so not everybody's going to be into that. Musicians yeah. loved it. Yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, that's probably all why. would play, you know, all would play the warp tour and, you know, there'd be yeah. like a few people out there watching in the front, you know, and then, and then the entire, you know, the entire stage is lined with, you know, all yeah. of the different bands going, Oh, I'm going to go check all out. These guys are nuts. You know? So, <laughs> so that, but I, I feel like all for what we were trying to do with it was very successful. Not, Definitely. not, it wasn't financially successful, but that's not a, really, you know, the only arbiter of that. I it, mean, I would put She's totally My Ex and some of those other songs up there with the best Descendants Absolutely. Songs. Absolutely. And I think people are really missing out. Hopefully anybody listening to this podcast, if you love the Descendants and you've never listened to all, you've got a lot of downloading to do. Yeah, yeah, because so, there's a lot of stuff and it covers a lot of ground. A lot of ground. And, and you know, the we've never been one to... We've never been a band that designed, you know, okay, let's talk about our next release. Well, I think we should head in this direction. That doesn't happen. Everybody write. writes what yeah. they write. We show up, we throw it on the pile, we see what we got, we play it all until, you know, we make comments on each other's stuff. Yeah. We hash it out until we like it, and then we put it out. And that, and so that means that, you know, you live or die by that. And Definitely. sometimes, you know, with all, it just, it, it was something that didn't go over well. 
Well, I do want to ask. Uh, I I always on these uh, on these podcasts, I put up an Instagram post asking for fan questions. Mm. Our mutual friend Christopher Rowe from mm-hmm. the Ataris, um, he was very excited. I was going to be speaking with you, so he wanted me to ask: Is there going to be an all record in the future ever <laughs> or soon? Well, there there is no plan for an all record yet. There is no reason that one couldn't happen. Um, all over the last bunch of years has has uh, well, you know, a couple things have changed about it that make it that make it sort of interesting for all. Um, we don't play very often, you know, it's usually only every couple of years, um, though we may be playing a couple of songs tonight. I think uh, I know why you're doing that. But the, uh, <laughs> somebody but, um, moved to Bloomington. Somebody correct? moved to Bloomington. Yeah. So <laughs> I so, was telling him on the way down, I'm like, I bet that's going to happen. Yeah, I'm pretty excited. That, that for could show. happen. That happened the other night. You know, uh, they came up to and Cincinnati. I'm going to get to play hope, right? Oh yeah. You know, hope, man. you got this. I know how to play <laughs> the, uh, <laughs> anytime, man. Just let me know. Um, well, the, so we, we could potentially do all, but over the last, over the last few years, it's kind of like, well, who's around to sing, <laughs> you know, Scott, you doing anything? Yeah. You know, or, or like Scott will come and go, Hey, somebody made an offer for like, you know, want, wants an all show with our lineup. Great. Okay. So we yeah. don't do that. Um, it's a lot of options. That's kind of cool. But you know, Chad is just certainly the singer, you know, but, yeah. it, but uh, he's an easygoing guy. He, he's kind of like, yeah, whatever, you know, we'll do, we'll do whatever's done. And sometimes we play with all three singers that happens sometimes too. That'd we did awesome. that a couple of times. Um, so it's a, you know, it's, it's, um, it's something that could happen. There hasn't been any reason for it not to, but, but uh, no one's going to fund that kind of an endeavor. Uh, <laughs> yeah. Any smart businessman will stay away from that, I guess. So, it's just a matter of whether we decided to do it on our own, um, um, which could totally happen. There's nothing working towards that or against it. But I wouldn't mind seeing another one happen. Just, yeah. you know, some context, I, you know. I'd well, those, those all records were in uh, rotation on Atari's tours pretty much nonstop. So I think that's. <laughs> I want to say that I played, played a Descendants song with Yuri, Mike Herrera, and. And Chris. Oh, maybe they Coolidge. were doing. Maybe they were doing like that MXPX All Stars thing. No, this was this. I, this was random. Oh yeah, yeah. Way before the All Stars thing. Maybe I mean I know they were friends, but because Chris went to like Asia and stuff, and they played yeah, Atari they stuff and Atari's MXPX, and MXPX yeah. songs. Yeah, that was kind of a cool thing they were doing. That that made pretty good sense. I haven't seen Chris in a while. Well, he's, he's in LA again. He moved. Uh, he moved from Indiana a few years back to Arizona, and then he just moved because he was working with Bob Hogue yeah, out yeah. at the studio. And now he's in, uh, he got remarried, and he's living in L.A. now. Yeah. Yeah. I don't remember where we were. He, he, he and his wife came to something not too long, too long, in the last year, year yeah. and a half. Um, I remember getting to see him briefly, but yeah. We yeah. still talk all the time. Oh, he's awesome. He's a good guy. <laughs> he's a good guy. I like Chris, yeah. Good dude. And I heard you, actually, I was... Uh, very excited to have you on the show because uh, your episode of Mike's Mike Herrera's podcast, oh, uh-huh. where you guys just randomly saw each other in the airport. In the airport, yeah. that was awesome. <laughs> that was weird. You just talked about gear for an hour. <laughs> yeah, we just yeah. I mean, it's it probably not of interest to a lot of. People I thought it was great, one, but yeah. hey, you know. Well, Mike's podcast was a big inspiration to mine because I've I've known Mike for a while. I mean, we're not like best friends, but we we're acquaintances. Oh, he's a and sweetheart. I, I listen to his podcast all the time. I was like, man, I could do one of these. Yeah, and so far it's been really cool, and I get to talk to great if people. You're, like you know, if you're you know conversational guy i think it can yeah. it's it's something that that's a that can be a fun thing to do you know the other uh fan question that i had uh was my buddy robert reed on facebook wanted to know what the chances of another solo record 
And I'd like you to speak a little bit on your solo record if people don't really know about it. I know it came out on paper and plastic. Yeah. Well, okay, so singers, I'll, I'll give right? you the back the, the backstory on that thing just so it makes sense. So during the period where all descendants, any any of it, was completely inactive, I was living in Tulsa, raising my family, um, and running a very small recording studio. And I um I was without a musical outlet. And yeah. Um, I have never been very comfortable with my own voice. So I had these songs piling up with melody ideas, but, uh, but you know, I couldn't really sing them myself. I've always had the same problem. <laughs> I felt kind of funny about it. So, so I, um, I just, one, one night my wife suggests, Hey, why don't you just start calling your friends out of, you know, call, call buddies and ask them to sing one. And I thought, yeah, okay. So I spent some time reviewing this little batch of songs I'd been kind of growing over a few years and, and, you know, I'd listen to them and I'd go, okay, here's the melody in my head. And I go, you know, who would sound good on this is Bill McShane. You could just cherry pick your yeah, buddies. So I right? just got on the phone and just, Bill, you want to, you know, sing a song or, you know, chat. And you've got whatever. your own studio. So just. And really, I didn't even have to do that. I recorded it, you know, I recorded all of it myself. My yeah. wife said, just get them all done and then, and then figure it out. So I recorded a whole ton of songs and I had, uh, I think there's 16 songs on that record with, yeah. with each one with a different buddy of mine singing. Like um, Tim from Rise Against Tim is from on Rise there. Tim from Rise Against did one. Uh, Milo's Dan, on there. Milo, Dan from Alkaline Trio. Dan from Alkaline Trio's on it. Um, uh, some lesser known, some lesser known guys. Yeah. Uh, John Moreland's on it. Who was John Moreland's who was, great. Uh, now you know now gained a lot of notoriety. Then he had drag <laughs> the river, right? No, his or was he? No, I always get John's his up. own. John I mean, I've listened to thing. John too, but did, oh, he's fantastic. He have something to do with he, drag the river? Or am no, I just he had imagining a band, that? No, he had a band called the. Black Gold Band. Okay, okay. Uh, I played drums on one of their records, actually. And and he had that band that, that he was doing, kind of a rock band thing for a while, but then he decided to move on into the direction he's been in, you know, just doing his thing by himself, which works great. Um, yeah, so it was just, you know, a handful of friends, some known, some unknown. Yeah. Um, uh, you know, one guy was just a guy I knew because I mixed his band's record, and I was like, God, this kid's <laughs> really talented. So That's awesome. I hit him up, and he did a great job, did a really good song. So... The thing came out really cool. It was really a lot of fun. It was a great educational experience for me. Um, it was one of the first times I got to really explore my own melodic idea, my own vocal melody ideas a lot. So you like produced that as well? Like, you, hey, I kind of want I wrote, this. I wrote like 80% of the vocal melodies on the okay. record. Um, some of them, you know, some people can't really write to somebody else's melody. And so some, some of the guys didn't, but for the most part, I wrote the melodies, yeah. but, and, and, you know, oh, I, I have an idea for what this would be about, or I have a few lines and then somebody would expand on those. So, so that's how that record came together. Um, so anyway, back to the present, um, I had expected to do another one, uh, but then descendants became active again. And so. At this point, anything that I write, I'm going to huck in front of them and see, you know, if any, I mean, because that's, those are, here's my guys. I have a real band instead of just me doing everything. But I have been recording, uh, not for release so much, but I I have been recording some stuff recently with me singing. Really? Yeah. So I've, so I have. uh, You feel more more confident with that now? Well, what it is, is that, I mean, when I started playing, I started guitar and singing. I mean, I learned playing acoustic guitar and singing. I started when I was nine and that's what I did. And I did yeah. that until, I mean, I sang all the time when I played until I got to, until I got into punk rock and realized that my voice, there was no way I could ever 
do what I wanted it to do, yeah. which was to sound like, you know, Milo or whatever. Like <laughs> I wanted some aggression. I wanted, you know, the that melody, kind but of thing. that attack behind the melody. And I don't have that. I have yeah. a low, clean, clear voice. That's what I have. I give, and, give and, us give us an example. <laughs> I need a guitar for that. Okay. Um, but uh, sorry to put you on the spot. Oh right no, 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 no. <laughs> um, well, so so what I what I started doing was working really hard on um, actually my good friend Chris Caraba uh, from Dashboard Confessional. He's a good buddy of mine. He. He started giving me some vocal exercise stuff to do. So I started actually kind of working on that. Wow. And, and you know, learned, you know, I've, I've made some progress back towards being able to sing again. And I do a lot of harmonies in the band now, which I didn't used to do a lot. I do, you know, quite a bit of that now. Um, uh, so, yeah, I've gained some confidence in my voice. It'll never be what, you know, never be anything I like. But I can look at square in the eye now. And, you know, you've heard the expression, you get what you get and you don't throw a fit. Yeah. That's pretty much where I sit with my voice. Like, hey, this is the one I have. <laughs> There's nothing I can do about it. And so when I write songs now, which I do, that's my, you know, my short of going out and playing shows, the thing that I like to do the most is to write and record songs very quickly by myself. Yeah. And I just like to do that. I like to just... I, I like to kind of write and record something in four hours. So I do a lot of that now. And my, you know, my voice is getting a lot of use, but it's not a, you know, it's still not a great voice to listen to. It's never, it's never, it, it could never be, you know, a centerpiece voice. I tell people that all the time, every band I've ever been in, I've always done harmonies and whatnot. And I understand the breathing. I understand melody and I can sing in key, but it doesn't sound like a voice you want to listen that's me to. that's me it, i mean and that kind of a voice can work really well for harmonies you yeah know? and i mean i think a great harmonizer can be you know an incredible addition to a band if you think you know if you think about uh you know if you think about van halen you think about michael anthony's high-pitched oh, yeah. harmony parts i mean they're they're integral to those songs they're they're a hugely important part of them and, and really awesome or or um I forget the guy's name. The guy who played bass, he died uh, um, in Tom Petty and the Heartbreakers. Oh, I know who you're talking about. I can't remember his I name, can't... though. I know who you're talking about. It's stupid. I can't remember his name. That's ridiculous. But um, Epstein? Epstein? Uh, anyway, that guy was a great harmonizer. He sound, his voice, you know, it sounded incredible with them yeah. if, you, if you watch videos of them and stuff. So, so I figure, okay, well, here's a thing I can try to work on and improve at. And so... That's, you know, what I've been doing a lot of that. Genre-wise, the stuff you're writing, is it kind of all over the place? Or what, what does it kind of sound like? If you The Beatles. Really? It just sounds like the Beatles. Yeah, everything I do just sounds like the Beatles. That's great. <laughs> Nothing wrong with that. I mean, it's all, well, I don't know. I say that, you know, it, it um, I, I'd, I'd say, you know, if I had, if I had big inspiration on stuff that songwriting, vocal kind of stuff, it would be. It would be the Beatles first. Yeah. It would be Elvis Costello second. And Joe Pernice from the Pernice Brothers. The Pernice Brothers, they're not widely known, but they're yeah. stunning. He's a stunning melodicist. He's incredible. Um, so those are kind of the, those are my big guns for, you know, guys that I listen to. And Petty. Petty. I, love, I love his melodies. He's great, you know. Um, band Jellyfish. Oh man, those are some melodies from outer space. Those are incredible. So, so the you know the 
the fusion of melody and harmony is is deeply exciting to me. So that's that's, awesome. that's where I spend a lot of my time. I got a uh, my wife got me an acoustic guitar that um, a really nice one for my for our twentieth anniversary because she rules and and so <laughs> that has been you know that that's been my thing lately is playing you know I go out in my garage and I play guitar and I sing you know cool. I I've recorded a huge batch of cover songs doing that and just just trying to kind of get my voice back in in circulation makes gets get some comfort level with it for me i don't know if i'll ever put anything out that way you know i threw a couple things up on spotify for the hell of it that's cool that's it you know well since you mentioned your wife give her a shout out she was another, how you doing baby she was you. another one of the fan questions she wanted me to ask you when you were going to be home tomorrow 308 so we're going to be late for picking up the kids tomorrow i'm sorry oh, okay i just had to get that in there because i mean she was the first one she's like ask him when he's going to be home so i was like okay <laughs> that's so great oh that's funny no she's she's wonderful nat um we've been married 20 years this year and uh we're just doing awesome. That's great, man. Yeah. And I, I did some research prior to coming to speak with you. And uh, one of the things I saw about your wife, she originally from Perth, Australia, or her something around born those in, lines. Born in Tulsa and then moved at six months to Perth and lived in Perth until she was 11 and then came back. And so she has, she has a brother in Michigan and, she, and her parents live in Tulsa. But all the rest of her family all live in in Australia. So we we go to Australia every you know pretty much every other year. That's great. Spend a bunch of time over there with all of the family over there. So you go to Perth. So uh, are you an ACDC fan? I I have backstory on. on you have backstory on ACDC. So here you go. This that is, sounds here, like here's a good one related to, to Nat, my wife. Okay. Nat's uncle, now deceased, unfortunately. I I never got to meet this guy, which is really a shame. He was. He was a really well-known uh, radio DJ in Western Australia. His best friend growing up, Bon Scott. Really? Yeah. So I actually had a conversation with Nat's grandmother, also now deceased, um, who told me about what a nice boy Bonnie was. <laughs> I mean, it was like like these people were all like totally good friends. They, um, in fact, now Alan. That, that this is this is the uncle I'm talking about. Alan. Alan was friends with Bond from the Valentine's days, you know, so he kind of predates ACDC okay. somewhat. But when ACDC was getting off the ground, there was actually they asked Alan if he wanted to manage them in the beginning. Wow. He was a well-known guy. He was well-connected, would have made very good sense. But Alan had just started his family. Yeah. And so he couldn't dive into that life from the one he had. And so that didn't happen. But they were, you know, ACDC came to dinner, <laughs> you know, at the Robertson house. So. So it's it's That's pretty funny. Amazing. So there, you know, so there's a yeah, there's an actual you know funny like you know distant for me family connection. You know, That's I'm, awesome. I'm married into <laughs> married into rock royalty. <laughs> That's great, man. Awesome. Um, so you said you guys spend some time in Perth, then? Yeah, yeah. We we usually spend we often will spend like a month over there because it's it's such a you know it's a heavy duty travel. Yeah. Um, so if we're going to go there, we usually try to stay for a few weeks. A lot of times we'll go over Christmas when the kids are out of school we'll That's go over cool. there and, and, uh, visit all the family and we all get together there and, and, you know, so we usually do that every year, every year or two, you know, we go over there. That's awesome, man. I didn't know we were going to talk about ACDC. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. I was just kind of reaching. I'm yeah. like, Oh, Perth, Australia, ACDC. And then yeah. You know, if you go down to Fremantle, you know, down outside of Perth a little ways, there's a, there's a great little statue of Bon Scott down there. That's awesome. awesome. Yeah, he's a big deal. So I I want to get to everything kind of in my mind. I'm just I've got a mental note of things I want to ask you. 
Um, myself, Descendants and Black Flag, two of my favorite bands in the entire world. You are in Flag. And I know just from things I saw on the internet, it kind of started out as just this thing. And then it became t- touring and like, can you yeah. speak a little bit about that and how it came to be? Well, so what what happened is Descendants were going to play um, the Golden Voice. Golden Voice is a is a yeah. long standing promotion, concert promotion. Rollins company. talks about it all the time in his books. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Golden Voice has been around, you know, promoting Black Flag shows forever. Well, they were having their thirtieth anniversary shows, and not long before that, Keith and Chuck had actually gotten together played um, some of the songs a couple times with um, some guys in a band called No Age. So that had happened. Golden Voice approached Chuck saying, hey, any chance Black Flag would play? And there's just too much sort of, yeah. you know, bad blood in some some parts of that camp for that to happen. But since we were, you know, since Descendants were playing and, you know, Bill and I were going to be there, the idea was brought up that maybe it could be Keith, Bill, Chuck, and I. So yeah. I'm shitting myself, of course, at that point. You know, <laughs> you got to play all Greg's parts, man. Yeah. So 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 we um, right before Descendants went on, Flag. Uh, we didn't know what it was called then, but <laughs> but and I think rumors had circulated around a little bit. But this was a big place, the Santa Monica Civic Auditorium, which is like a you know, which is a place that Black Flag had done you know a couple of their very biggest shows years ago. Yeah. Well, so we went up and played the Nervous four songs from the nervous breakdown EP and the place just melted. I mean, it was, it was fantastic. And, and so, you know, people started calling, you know, Hey, I mean, is this a thing? Like, can we book this? And so I guess, uh, you know, we thought, well, yeah, we could take a few shows. Nothing would hurt that. So, so then the idea came up to bring Des on board too. Why not? Cause he's awesome and he's still around. So we, so we asked Des, he was into it. And so we, um, yeah, did a bunch of practices, and then we we played um, at a Moose Lodge in Redondo Beach, California, which is the the site of the very first Black Flag performance. Isn't there video? There is. There's some Good great video. video of that. Yeah, I think yeah. I've seen that. And and so that was you know where we played our first show, just like Black Flag did. And then we you know we did a we did a run of shows through 2013, and another one in 2016, and and um, you did some TV as well. Or no, wait, that was off. Did you guys ever do TV? No. Okay, I always get the two bands confused. I think they did like Carson Daly. I was in my oh, mind. Oh yeah, I think they might have. Yeah. In my mind yeah. I was thinking it was Flag, but <laughs> No, we we just kind of played a bunch of the the known quantity festivals over here and in Europe. Okay. Um we got to do that. Um it's a blast. We have a really good time. We have a really good time doing that. That's a lot of fun. Um big deal for me and a and a a really fun challenge to try to well, that's kind what I was going to say. Fill the shoes of your favorite guitarist, you know. Well, I you mean, with Gin your own style favorite. that you have, and then Greg being someone with a definite style. Yes. How was that for you, and how was it maybe injecting some of your own stuff into those parts? Well, well, it, it was interesting, and it and it changed over over the course of the time I've been doing it. At first, I wanted to just do my best to deliver it exactly as it had been, yeah. exactly as I hear it on the recordings, and you know, and I've seen them, of course, and. Uh, you know that I I wanted to try to bring to make it feel right. You can't you can't sound like Greg. Gale. No, it's just not possible. But um, I wanted to bring as much of it as I could feel wise. So I studied very very deeply, and um, and then as as time went on, I I started to sort of I started adding solos in places where there hadn't been any, and. 
and that was met with encouragement from really? that camp because you know this is that camp of guys comes from a time when more expansive you know it isn't it isn't like okay we get the album version done and we make it perfect and then we live and die by that for the rest of our lives that's not how they see it yeah music is expansive for them it moves on it changes and so well, there's not two that, videos of greg playing the same thing yeah yeah well it's funny greg greg would play parts of them the same like the beginning of uh the beginning of the solo in jealous again he does that the same way or close to it yeah. in in a lot of things you'll see. Same with uh, the solo in Rise Above. Definitely. That it has, you know, chunked. There, so there are, there are elements of it that are fairly consistent, and then he would kind of go off on his tangents. And so as time went on, I began to take a lot more liberties with that stuff, and, uh, and that actually was immensely enjoyable. And I think in, as in spirit, you know, in spirit of what the band was about in, in their time. And it's not for everybody, you know, to yeah. just blast off into some weirdness. You know, a lot of audience people are probably scratching their heads. <laughs> but the band guys weren't. They totally yeah. get that. That's like, yeah, that's what you do in this band. Um, so it was, uh, it, it's been really, really fun to get to do that. Um, we have a blast. Uh, we have a blast doing that. It's a, it's a very deep challenge physically. That music is hard to play physically it is it's really fast and the and the thing is a lot of that music you know probably started out being played one tempo and then just kind of got faster and faster and faster so you there's the way those recordings were done there's a lot of stuff lost in the you know there's a lot of detail lost in in these kind of bizarre recordings and them just going nuts in the studio so when you actually, you know, Bill knows all the guitar parts, how they actually went. And so he showed me how they really go. And they're much harder and much more complicated than you might expect from, from the surface of listening yeah. to the records. Um, but when you play them right, you know, when you play those parts right, you go, oh, shit, yep, that's <laughs> what it is. That's that's what it was supposed to be. And so uh, that's... You know that's been really, really fun, really educational, and and a fun challenge for me um, to get to try to you know kind of just hold up that end of something as monumental as Greg Ginn's guitar playing, which is really you know just out of this world. Have you had any feedback from Greg at all? Or I know he's kind of a recluse. <laughs> um, uh, no, <laughs> no, and I've, I suppose any any you know would probably be negative, uh, you know, but but um, Kira was on the podcast and uh we we talked a lot about greg so i've got some good stories yeah i mean greg greg is a complicated guy you know i i i can you know i never i I got to jam with greg a few times greg and i is for my part he was always really cool to me yeah um there was a weird up to a point there was a divide at some point where i think greg I, i don't understand where he headed or what his thinking was about how he ran his businesses and how he's done, you know, his whole life. It doesn't make a lot of sense to me, but, um, but I didn't really know him during any of that time. And so I just kind of accept that, that like it or not, he was the, you know, as complicated a guy as he is, he was my favorite guitar player. He's the guy who influenced me the most, no doubt. You know, he's a, he's a monster on the guitar. Was there ever any, weirdness between camps because i know that when flag started really kind of picking up steam 
his version of Black oh, Flag yes. with Mike V singing. Oh, and- yeah. There was all kinds that way. That, I mean, without, uh, you know, he, he would have liked to have seen that whole thing stop. That's for sure. But there really wasn't a whole lot he could do about that. I mean, you can't, you know, make it. You can't make it illegal to play songs. Yeah. You know, that can't happen. So and you, they, you weren't called Black Flag. Yeah, yeah, exactly. So, you know, that there were some things that had to be hashed out between us to make that work. But um, ultimately, it you know, it kind of just did what it did. And I mean, I, I never really understood his animosity towards it, given that he never really seemed to have a great interest in reviving black flag yeah. he always seemed to kind of have a disdain for it almost it seemed like you guys almost like the the fact that you guys were doing flag almost pushed him to it seemed so close together i, I often you know part of me wondered if it didn't if it didn't take what was there and and sort of you He's know like, crap i gotta he was get doing on some this stuff with ron you know him and ron were had been talking and and were writing some songs together unrelated and then then you know, it happened to be yeah. at the same time that we started to announce shows that they, you know, all of a sudden it was going to be a new Black Flag record. And, and you know, I was like, whoa, that, that was unexpected. Well, at the so time, I, I, I never knew, you know, conclusively what happened there, yeah. but that's what I started to think. I was living in uh, Gulf Shores, Alabama, and I'd always go over to this music store in Pensacola, Florida, and I saw a poster that said Black Flag, and it had a date for this little place. And in my mind, I knew Flag was going, and I knew you were in Flag, and I knew like Bill was in flag, different people. So I saw the poster and there, none of you guys were on the poster. Yeah. And then I went, wait a minute, that's Greg. And then it, I put, and I put two and two together. That was my first, like, I didn't see anything on the internet. I saw a poster for them playing in Pensacola. Yeah, they did. They did, a, you know, a couple of runs of tours and then just kind of stopped. I don't know, you know, I, I know that the, they had been playing with, you know, it was Ron and a couple of guys, um, one of which I knew, the bass player Dave, I knew, um, and another guy they just called Drummer. Those guys were out. And then, Drummer. then they got two other young guys in when Mike V took over on vocals. And then, you know, I never, I never, I only yeah. saw one video of that, which it sounded very different than I think of as Black Flag. But, you know, Black Flag was a band that never sounded that consistently the same anyway. Yeah. I mean, I, I'd, I, I thought it probably made great sense for him to, I, the way I the way I saw it, he could move forward and we could do our own thing and it would probably be fine. Yeah. I thought you know I thought why would they care? Why would he care? <laughs> you know if Chuck and Keith are yeah. out playing some of these songs, what you know if if anything it you know everybody doing it you know heightens the band it brings it you know bring uh, fine <laughs> like what's wrong with that so but i mean i guess you know i, I uh, people have a, you know all kinds of different interpretations of how you know how um how much control they want to have over that stuff and i under, i understand that so yeah i don't think he was fond of our thing but you know we we still we'll probably do it again you know at some point I is like there any like ideas of maybe writing as that band or not? no no that you know we i early of course i was the guy going new songs anyone like <laughs> you gonna write you know but that was pretty much just kind of no we yeah. just want to do we just want to really do you know the the songs justice and and uh and that's it okay fine cool. that's great no problem and you guys all have like other projects oh yeah so. everybody's busy yeah everybody's so it's busy. it's fine yeah are there any plans like currently on the books for that to come back or is that just kind of an open-ended thing? no it's sort of open-ended though 
we talk, you know, pretty regularly every few months, you know, an email will circulate or some, you know, there might be a, you know, Hey, anybody want to, you know, there's, or, or somebody just saying, Hey, hope you guys are all good. You know, whatever, <laughs> just, you know, so we're all in good, we're in touch and that's awesome. Everything's still cool. Well, what I'd like to do, uh, we're, we're approaching an hour. Uh, I don't oh, want to take a lot. <laughs> I don't want to take a lot of your time. I know you probably got to go play here in a little bit anyway. Pretty quick. Yeah, and, and I don't want to see it. Uh, but it is this one time on tour. That's what this podcast is about. Oh, yeah. It's about touring. Sometimes I forget that till right at the end, like today. But uh, I want to know, kind of, I know you've been all over the world, like I have. Crazy stuff happens in other countries, but crazy stuff happens here as well. You know, back in the early days where, you know, you're eating ramen noodles with coffee water at the truck stop and that's sleeping on floors. That's like, all real. We've yes. all been there. Do you have anything just off the top of your head, like maybe a tour story or something crazy that just sticks out? Well, the 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 tour stories that are the most interesting for me are 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 there are two. One is that we all played in Berlin the night while we were playing in Berlin in 1989. They announced on the television that they were going to take the wall down. Wow! That so we were there. In this moment in history, we came out of that club after we played, packed up, heard this, what had happened, packed up our stuff, tried to get out of Berlin, and that place was locked down. I mean, there was traffic everywhere. It was absolutely insane. So the first stamp into my passport is into the DDR. And then the next year I came back and I just drove right through. It was it was the most bizarre feeling to to have just been like, wow. God, we just, we were, you know, we were there for this kind of momentous occasion. That's great. Man. So that was kind of, that's, that's the tour story that I always think of as really the, the standout feature because, you know, a series of fights or whatever other stuff yeah. used to happen is hardly I'm always looking interest. for the more like, you know, that's a great story. That's like, you were a part of history. Oh uh, yeah. That was completely. People saying, oh, I threw a TV out of the hotel room. Like, I don't want to hear whatever. that shit. Yeah. I wanna, yeah. I want to exactly. hear the real and, stuff. And I mean, we're, we're boring, you know, we're not, we're, we're, we weren't a wild kind of party yeah. band. That was, you know, I was the driver most of the time and I was the night driver. So, you know, I was asleep a lot or, you know, <laughs> the driving all night. I mean, we, you know, there wasn't, um, there wasn't, you know, the rock and roll debauchery was not part of our of our thing. It never was. Um, but that is, you know, that little moment there is always something that is really kind of a special moment for me. And 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 then the other, the other thing is this is a little bit more general, but I don't remember what year it was. But we we actually toured in Yugoslavia when it was Yugoslavia. Yeah. And so that that was. That was a place where we literally had a translator. We showed up to one of the sh- to the first of three shows, um, Zagreb. I don't I don't remember which city it was. That's the capital, or at least it. Or that's Croatia. That? That's Croatia, Zagreb. I think. Yeah. Well, we got we get to this <laughs> venue, and there's well, if it's Croatia, piles. it probably used to be Yugoslavia. Yeah, yeah right. probably Zagreb. There's these piles of like just bizarre ancient like. PA equipment from fuck I don't know what the hell like and, the big horns yeah like just all this stuff here's some PA equipment like there was nothing set up at all it was complete chaos and I'm I'm a little bit techy with that stuff yeah. enough just to sort of fish my way through and so we're some like, of those countries you it's, so it, I had a trans you don't know what you're getting man so I literally am like okay so uh 
this is a power amp, right? <laughs> you know, I'd look at it and go, this is a power amp. And then, and then a translator would talk to another guy who owned all the, you know, the club or whatever. Yeah, yeah, power amp, you know. So we built a PA out of, you know, shit from the, you know, from World War II and, and like put on a show. Um, so, you know, the, those, those are, you know, the kind of the standout features. I, I never really, you know, there really wasn't a lot else I was doing. I was just living yeah. day-to-day life for the most part on tour. So, you know, my tour stories are few, well, but those are great tour stories. But those right? are those yeah. are the one. Those are those are things that I, when I get asked, hey, you know, what what about touring? What are standout features? Those are those are mine. You know? Well, I mean, people all the time would ask me, like I like I said, I teach guitar and I do this rock and roll summer camp with Jason, and the kids are always like, man, what was it like being on the road? I'm like, well, I had a bunch of movies on my iPad. And when we'd get done, I'd go lay down and watch movies. And that's, I mean, some people party all the time. I was never that guy. Yeah. So it, it, you know, with, with the level of playing we hoped to do, because we were a really militant practice band. Yeah. We, well, we still are. We're all, we, you know, Bill and Bill and Carl, you know, they live, we all practice separately now, except Bill and Carl live in the same city. So they, they practice with either, tapes of me playing or with a buddy of ours who comes over sometimes and fills in. So they have like, you know, real normal guitars happening. Um, and you know, we, we practice constantly and we always have, we practiced five days a week for years. We figured that was, you know, the least we could do was try to be, if we wanted to be ambitious, play ambitious music, we had to really work at it. So our band was pretty work driven. We weren't, you know, the, the, there was no allure to the party for us, really. Yeah. We were, we wanted to be kick ass. <laughs> that was what we were about. So, so touring was like, you know, was me driving. That's really what it was. Yeah. I spent all my time up, you know, behind the wheel every night. <laughs> so, well, I don't want to take up much more of your time. I know you got to go play and we have to go find a good place to watch you guys. Yes. Play. I'm going to warm up my, my aging fingers. Um, I do appreciate you coming on the show. This has been an honor. So thank you very much. Absolutely. Thank um, you for having me. What do you have coming up? Is there, are there more shows this year? Is there anything to promote? I know you guys have a record that came out a couple years ago. Yes. We, we, um, Hypercafium Spasinate is the last record we did that came out last year. We, everybody is currently writing. Um, we don't have a plan for when another record will come out, but we do plan to record more fairly soon. Um, you guys are still on Epitaph? In theory. In theory? We, yeah, I mean, it, we, I, I, I don't see any reason why we wouldn't be yeah. uh, so far. Um, the last record was, you know, kind of a one-off thing, but yeah. I expect that the next one-off will also be with them. <laughs> That's so far. Uh, we we love Epitaph. They've They're been great, fantastic, yeah. and um, Brett's Brett's wonderful. All the people there are wonderful. So, so I I think that'll probably happen. And um, so I I hope that we'll put out a record next year. That's what I would like to see happen. But I don't know. You know, I don't know. Yeah, that that's easy. That that's easier said than done when you got people living all over the place. Definitely. Kind of yeah. So, but um, but other than that, um. You know, we've got we've got kind of every few weekends we go out and play a handful of shows like we did here. Uh, November seventeenth and eighteenth will be the last. That's in Tulsa. the The seventeenth is in Tulsa. I and think on the I eighteenth. S- I saw the Paul is that. going to play. Yeah. Um, sort of like an we're just having kind of like a party, but most of the people coming to this party will be coming from out of state to just kind of spend the weekend. You know, die a lot of diehard. Descendant and all fans are flying, even people coming from Germany and stuff. Wow. So, so it's going to be a lot of fun. So we're going to, you know, have a couple of day end of year 
thing in in uh in Tulsa and then we'll be done for this year and then you know we haven't plotted next year's course yet but we'll probably something very similar you know try to that's awesome do you know another 50 shows <laughs> i hope <laughs> that's so. great well i want to thank you once again for coming on thank you for having and me. uh i can't wait to see you guys rock so thank you so much man. have a good night Thanks. talk to you later And there it was, my conversation with Mr. Stefan Edgerton from The Descendants. I want to give a big shout out to Stefan and the band for having me and my field producer Jason come down and hang out with them in Indianapolis at their show last weekend. I had so much fun and I do also want to give a shout out to my new field producer Jason. Thank you so much for helping because I was a little bit nervous. I've never done anything like backstage, like, you know, on the fly before. So I want to give a shout out to my buddy Jason for becoming my new field producer. I want to give a shout out to... uh, Will Felic Art and Design, my buddy who's doing a lot of my artwork for my episodes, so check him out on Instagram as well. And next week on the show, I'm stoked, man. I've got Zach Blair from Rise Against. If you haven't heard of Rise Against, I don't know what your deal is, because they're one of the biggest bands in the world right now. We're going to have a really cool conversation. I want you guys to come back for that next week. That's pretty much it. I This episode was kind of a dream come true. I've always been a huge fan of Stefan and the Descendants, and in uh, all of course. And you know, it was, it was a lot of fun and I hope you guys enjoyed it. I'd like to thank you for listening to this podcast and letting me kind of be a part of your life. It means the world to me that you guys care and that you're checking this out and that so many cool companies have been like hitting me up and wanting to do things with me and different artists that want to be on the show. Like I, I used to have to go after people and now people are getting a hold of me. So it's really, really cool. And I appreciate it. So thank you for listening. I'm going to leave you with three descendant songs. Cause I couldn't really make my mind up. I'm going to play my two favorite songs, which are Hope and Clean Sheets. And then I'm also going to leave you with their newest single called Without Love. So I hope you guys enjoy this. And uh, yeah, I don't know. This is a really cool thing. So thank you so much for listening. It means a lot to me that uh, people care. <laughs> so thank you very much. So uh, before I play those songs, I, I can't, I got to, got to tell you some other stuff. <laughs> it's really late. Like it always is. I'm a little bit delirious. Yeah. If you want to be a sponsor, cause you know, the awful normals, the band at the beginning of the show this is the second time they sponsored an episode. They sponsored Franz Stahl's episode back in the day as well. So if you want to be a sponsor, hit me up TOTOT podcast at gmail.com. If you just want to chat, whatever, you know, you can hit me up on any of the social medias. It's TOTOT podcast. Call the TOTOT hotline. It's one seven, six, five, three, seven, and leave us some love in uh, the iTunes store. Review us, rate us, subscribe to the podcast, whatever you want to do. Tell a friend, tell whoever. I just, this thing's growing and and it couldn't be cooler. So thank you very, very much. I'm delirious. I'm going to stop rambling now. So here's some cool Descendant songs. (laughs) Two of my favorite songs, Hope and Clean Sheets. And then I'm going to play their brand new single. Well, it's not brand new. It's probably been out for a year or so, but uh, Without Love, which is on their new record. So thank you guys so much. Come back next week, hit me up, and I will see you soon.
Brace Lock, everyone. I'm Hal Schwartz. And I'm Flynn McClain. Together we host None But the Brave, a podcast dedicated to the music and career of Bruce Springsteen. Bruce and E Street Band are on tour right now for the first time in six years, and we're taking a detailed look at what's happening on stage in our bi-weekly episodes. We've also been recently joined by some very exciting guests, including rock journalist Warren Zanes and Stephen Hyden, Backstreet's Magazine founder Charles Cross, and Barstool's Kirk Menahan. If you're a diehard Springsteen fan, this is the show for you. So please subscribe to Nimbut the Brave on your favorite podcasting platform, and we hope to see you further on up the road. Thank you so much! We'll be seeing you! <laughs>